did I give myself that time and ignore, you know, on my computer and like maybe not even take my phone with me just to get away from it? Or did I let that bog me down? Or did I make time on my lunch break maybe to go plant my garden, which I plan on doing today, you know, getting my sunshine out in the garden and planting some carrots? Am I making that little pockets of time to bring myself joy? Welcome to Successful, the podcast, a show about the stories of women redefining success. We're your hosts. I'm Carla. And I'm Natalie. Like you, we're two career women figuring out the meaning of success. In each episode, we bring you our stories and the stories of other women who are redefining success in life, in work, and on their own terms. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Carla. It's good to see you. It's going well. I'm in Mexico City, which is awesome. Yes. (laughs) The space that you're in right now, I wish people could see. It's very chic, very city, like city center. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're in a neighborhood called Roma Norte, which is very – Roma Norte. Roma Norte. Very chic, very – Oh, just lots of restaurants, and we have this spectacular view of the city. Mm. This is where I was born, so it's really, really neat to be back. I haven't been here in like fifteen years, like wow, a long, long time. So it's. it's I forget that you were born there. Yeah, I always think because you lived just on the coast that you were like a beach baby, that you were just like born on the beach. (laughs) Doesn't that sound wonderful? That's what I I think about you in the sand (laughs) with the waves rolling in. I've got a good – it's very Moana, yes. I'm yeah, it is. It. <laughs> it is. No, I was born in the city but didn't live here very long. We moved pretty quickly to the beach. Um, but yeah, it's been neat to be back this week. How about you? I love How's it. How's your week going? It's been a good week. It's It feels like spring, which is just always the best here. Yeah. It's been wild in terms of like – because we're gardening. So I'm like, when can I plant my plants outside? And we got hail twice this last week. And I'm like, I can't put oh my, my baby God. plants through that. So I think finally we can plant, which is good. And I finished the – what am I trying to say? The raised beds, the garden mm, beds. Mm-hmm. So I finished the dog-proof fence around it. So now it's 100% dog-proof. So I can actually go out and put my little baby plants out there, which is so exciting. I'm such <laughs> a – I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm such an old lady. <laughs> Well. So excited about carrots. About <laughs> carrots. Know, there's and a beets. lot of people that love gardening. I mean, my mom loves gardening. Yeah. You and my mom should get together someday. Yeah, we should talk hang about out. Your gardens. My mom loves to show me her garden. I know. Like, you, I know you're like. You oh. just showed me this garden like this morning. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> look how it's changed. Look how it's exactly. changed already. I check on That's my little actually, plants every day. <laughs> she does too. She does too. I. Good for you. I'm so, you know, I'm so um, happy for you and also a little jealous that you have these amazing hobbies. Um, I feel like having hobbies to me has been something that like I've always been told. Well, I think my mom has always been like, Carla, you need a hobby. Mm -hmm. Like you need to do something that is just for pleasure. And I I struggle with that. So I think that that is a wonderful thing that you have these different things. And actually it's a perfect segue into what today is about. So last week you interviewed me. It was so that fun. was really fun, but I am excited to turn the tables on you. 
Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And talk to you about you and get to know mm-hmm. you a little bit better. And I have always thought that you have some pretty cool hobbies, like I said. Thank you. And that you and I've always admired how you make them a priority. You know, you're mm-hmm. very, very busy. You have a, a pretty demanding job. Yeah. And yet you still are able to fit these different um, parts of your life in that are important to you. So mm-hmm. my first question for you is just tell us about your hobbies because I think they're so fascinating. I've had so many <laughs> now. I used to not have very many. Um, I was thinking back through this and I was like, when did I get to be like this? I was As a kid, I was always into something. I was very crafty. I had – I just had a craft closet full of like, you know, that string, that thread that you used to make friendship bracelets. And when we would go on car rides, because my family would go on these long car rides to my sister's sports tournaments and then my sports tournaments, I would tape the thread to the back of the chairs in the car and I would just make friendship bracelets the whole way. (laughs) So I was always very crafty. And I think I lost that a bit in college But once I graduated and had money of my own, I started to rediscover that part of myself. So I love trying new crafty things like painting and fixing things up. I would like buy cheap Ikea furniture and paint it for my apartment. But I really have fallen into a groove, I'd say, more recently in the past few years with sewing. Sewing is like my number one. It's my favorite thing to do. Another old lady hobby. Um, I probably shouldn't say that, except not, not because you're making your own wedding dress, which I think is the coolest thing. Thank you. It is. That has been pretty epic because I'm not, I have a pattern that I started with for some of it, but I've just gone off the rails and I'm kind of doing my own like fashion designer thing. I've been watching like documentaries on fashion designers to see what the the ladies who make the dresses in the fashion houses do and like catch tips and stuff. I bought a textbook on bridal couture and how to make it by hand. So that was what I did over Christmas is read that textbook. But yes, I am making my own wedding dress and it's almost done. I put the zipper in last weekend as a test and it fits, which is great. (laughs) Wow, that's We've amazing. Got a little bit left to do, but yeah, we're like a month out from the wedding, so that's really exciting. Okay, so you mm-hmm. garden, I garden. You sew, I sew, and you. Another thing I know you do is that you, with your fiance, make mm-hmm. furniture. I do. You do more like things like you have a built-in behind you mm-hmm. that I wish people could see because it's just yeah, absolutely gorgeous and. You made it together. Like you designed mm-hmm. a lot of the furniture that you have in your home. Yeah. It's and amazing. That one wouldn't – that hobby is, again, relatively new, but that wouldn't have come about without Matt, my fiancé, because he – when we first started dating, he had a few power tools. He was living at somebody else's house renting a room, but he had a few power tools because he wanted to make guitars. And so he would make guitars, electric guitars, with just a few power tools. Um And then we moved in together and he had a whole garage. So we started filling it up and then we bought a house and we're like, well, we want to have nice furniture. And we started shopping around for furniture and A, it's super expensive. B, the quality of some of this furniture that these companies are putting out these days is just not great. And then C, we realized we could do it for much 
you know, it's more economical and it's fun. So we started with um, my desk that I'm currently at. So we designed my desk. It's oak. All of our stuff is hardwood. Then we designed the kitchen table, then a bench for the kitchen table, then the bookshelves. And now we're we're designing and making a sideboard to put in the dining room to store drinks and plates and stuff. So yeah, we have quite a repertoire. We have, I mean, when I'm listing it out, I'm like, we've done quite a bit, but yeah, I'll design it because I'm always following these, you know, Instagram pages where they show all these beautiful designs and I, I love antique furniture. So I'll take pieces of antique furniture that I really love and I'll kind of mix it all together and put it all into one new design. Yeah, it's fun. I love it. Okay. Any hobbies that we miss? Because that's a lot. <laughs> it, I mean, it is a lot. How do I find time for all this? Um, I rock climb, but I only right. do that once a week. Mm-hmm. And then I teach yoga, which I also only right. teach once a week. So how do you find time for all of these hobbies? Like, how do you how do you make them a priority? Because I think we all, first of all, we all have the same amount of time, right? But right. I think that well, we tend to say like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. But it's really about the choices that you make. So mm-hmm. what's your choice process to ensure that you're dedicating time to these things that are important to you? Yes. It's a complicated question. And I get asked it a lot. And I think it depends who asks me what I answer. So if my mom asks me, and I know like she's retired, she's you know, she does whatever she wants. She's like, oh, how do you find time to do all this stuff? I was like, I just make the choice to do it. (laughs) You know, like you make time for what you want to make time for. That's what I always tell her, but there's more to it than that. So I would argue that we don't all have the same time in the day, first of all, because I don't have kids. I don't have a ton of responsibilities outside of work. I don't have a commute now. So I have a lot of extra time that people, not everybody has. So that's number one. And then number two, I think my perception of time has changed quite a bit over the past few years. So as you know, when you're traveling every week for work, you leave on either a Sunday night or a Monday morning. So you're not home, you're in a hotel, and then you return on Thursday nights. So you've got to work on Friday, and then you've got Saturday, and then you pack up on Sunday. So you really only have like a day and a half when you're traveling. And I would squeeze as much as I could into that day and a half, but it was never enough time. But I would like start a sewing project and I'd get as far as I could or, you know, help Matt build raised beds in our old house. Um, But I always felt like I was kind of rushing around trying to squeeze stuff in. And now that I'm not traveling, it feels like I have an abundance of time. So evenings, mornings, you know, just making sure I have a routine for myself that I'm getting the important things in, like I'm doing my workouts, I'm doing what needs to be done in the morning, and then I have extra space in the evening, say, to sew after dinner, or you know, I'll just block that time for myself. So I just get little bits in here and there, but it because I'm not traveling and I am working from home, it just feels like I have all the time in the world. But that's because I want to spend my time on these things. So... I make yeah. the time for it. Yeah. I, that's a really important recognition. Thank you for <clears throat> for clarifying that. You know, it, it is easy to say, well, we all have the same time and, you know, it's all about the choices. And, and that's probably a little bit, um, for, it's a little bit removed for me to say for, from other people's realities. I think that your response is really empathetic. So I thank you for that, you know, as a reminder that, yeah, like we don't, you know, we all have different 
lifestyles and different demands on our day. And it is easy to think like, oh, well, you have the time. You should be able to mm-hmm. make time for a hobby. But you're right. right. I also don't have kids. And that I can imagine, you know, that that would really change the way that, that becomes your hobby. <laughs> yeah. In a big right. way. Yeah. Right. Or like the commute, right? Like not mm-hmm. people don't always have a choice. People are, are, especially now, people are starting to go back into the office. And right. I know that's been a really difficult adjustment for, for a lot of people I know to, to go back to the office because mm-hmm. we've started to realize like how wonderful is it that we have this extra time. So Correct. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for that reminder. And, and also it's great to, to hear you that you're, you're appreciating that time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to just be like, oh, I'm just going to do nothing. And that's fine if that's. Yeah. And I make time for do, that but, too when I need it. Yeah. I'll know when yeah. I need that. Yeah. But I think there's you know, on the flip side, there's a lot to be said about the choice aspect of it. So even though I do have this quote unquote extra time that I maybe didn't have before, I don't go out and get drunk every night and then have no time in the morning to do what I need to do, right? Like I'm making the active choice to keep myself healthy, keep on a routine. That's really important, something that I've learned. But those things help to give me the time. And if I do go out here and there, I'm you know, making the choice like, okay, I'm sacrificing tomorrow morning because I won't be able to have enough sleep if I don't. So it's all choices. It's all choices. It is all choices. So, okay. So I know, I know a lot about you, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if I know about the deep, the, the really like the transformational times in your life. Like I know that you lived in Colorado. I know that you lived in Houston. I know where you work. I know the hobbies that you have, but something that I've been wanting to ask you is, what do you feel are the the key moments in your life that either that were great moments or challenging moments that have shaped your view on on work, shaped your view on life, on just on, on what it means to be Natalie, you know, the self? What would you say those those big moments have been throughout your life? Oh, this is a really This is a tricky one. I'd say from – there's a lot of different ways I could go with this, but from a work perspective, what's shaped my view of that, I'd say – I mean, always the influence from our parents first and foremost, right? So my dad was always working as a kid, but he always made time for us also. So we knew how hard he was working, but I would just wait until he came home at night and he would you know, take a little break and then we'd go out and play catch in the front yard or he'd teach me how to, you know, hit a ball for softball. He taught me, you know, everything I know about sports, but it was always in the time after he came home. So that that's what he was making time for. And so I saw that he was able to, even though he was, I could see he was stressed that day or whatever, I saw the balance that he was able to create, even if it was difficult for him because he did prioritize us. So I think that gave me pretty good foundation that I knew I didn't want to make work my life. I knew I wanted to work. And he always told me, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. The world is your oyster is what he was always tell us. So we believe that. And I think that can, you know, it's great to have that view. It can also be really, um, what's the right word for this? It can almost be too much in a way once you get a bit older because you're like you have that expectation of yourself like oh I my dad my mom they've always told me I can do whatever I want to do but why does it feel so hard 
you know, now that I'm out here in the real world, you know, they told me I can do this. So I, I do have that belief, but it takes a lot of work, right? But I'm so glad that they put those little affirmations in our heads. I guess when we were kids, and I'm talking about, you know, myself and my sister as well, but he always, you know, believed in us, made sure since we're both women that he wanted his daughters to have the best education, the best opportunities. So, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without that, without his view on work, how he approached his life, and then him and my mom being able to afford us the opportunities that we have. So that's number one. And then if I'm thinking about how I approach life in general, I'd say, how do I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I've had some, now that I'm older, I'm seeing patterns in the way I've approached life, you know? And you mentioned that I grew up in Colorado and then we moved to Texas when I was a teenager. So really hard time to move. And I was in that really awkward age, like I think I was like 12, 13. You're just in your most awkward times, you know? And I struggled so much with like bullying and um, making friends and trying to find my place. And that theme popped up again and again. Not necessarily the bullying, but just like feeling a bit out of place. And it started with the move from from Colorado to Houston, because there's just such a big culture shock that happens. Because in in Denver, we were, you know, my sister and I both played sports. We would wear hoodie sweatshirts and like basketball shorts to school every day. Hair in a ponytail were very, you know, tomboy kind of girls. You show up to Houston, a school in Houston like that, and they're going to be like, what are you wearing? (laughs) Nobody. Not even the athletes would dress like that. And so like the culture shock of not feeling like you're able to be who you've always been, that was really tricky. And then, you know, joining a sports team and and also feeling like, man, I just don't fit in with these girls. They just care about things that I just don't care about. Even though I really care about the sport, like I just – I never really fit in with those girls either. And then I went to college and I joined a sorority because my sister told me to, which was a mistake. I should have listened to my gut that that was like not for me. <laughs> and the same thing kind of happened. I was like – I made a few friends who I still have today, but I did not fit in or I felt like I didn't fit in. Something always felt off. It always felt like um, I was wearing the wrong size shoe. Like the shoe was always too small and I could never figure out why. And you have enough of these experiences that you start to realize that, yes, part of the problem is other people and just the process of growing up and wanting to fit in, but you have to look at yourself also. So as I've gotten older, I've done a lot of self-reflection about why did I never feel like I fit in? And this has been probably the most formative experience that I've had throughout my life since it had been you know, such a theme, but I was never coming to situations as 100% myself. When I was younger, I didn't know that. I was always trying to fit a mold of who I thought people wanted me to be. So I was never coming into situations being authentic. I would be really shy, which I'm really not that shy. I'd be shy and afraid to make mistakes and I would I would just not be fully myself and it never allowed people to get to know me. So by me trying to fit in so much 
as I was younger and even through my early 20s, it just put a blocker up where people, you know, would tell me after they did get to know me, maybe they're like, oh man, I thought you were like really standoffish or you were hard to approach. And I would think like, I'm I'm not, I'm definitely not. But it was because I didn't know myself and I wasn't, because I didn't know myself, I wasn't coming into situations as myself. So once I started to break through that and realize that that is what was happening, the whole world kind of opened up for me. And I was like, okay, so I don't have to identify with all of these things like being in a sorority or being on a sports team. I can dive into the things that I love to do. So all of these creative things. And in those places, that's where I started to find community, right? Finding like-minded people where I can you know, talking to you about things that we really love. And it's just, it's a really interesting thing, but it's something that I still do think about a lot. So coming to a place out of number one, knowing yourself, but number two, letting others know you too. And you can't, you can't hold it back. Once you, once you know yourself and you're fully living in who you are, you can't help but let other people know you and it, life becomes so much easier. So that's kind of a deep one. Yeah. But no, I'm so glad that I asked it because I really had no idea. And mm-hmm. you know, who you are today is likely very different than who you are. I mean, when you when you were a teenager, yeah, that's mm-hmm. such a hard age. We I moved a lot too, and and especially my brothers had to go through some big moves when they were teenagers, and that it was hard. It's it's a really tough age. Um, but what an important part of your life for you to to learn about yourself and to have these realizations mm-hmm. of like, huh, yeah, that the shoe is not quite fitting. <laughs> You know, what does it mean Always to be? Always off. Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean to be really me? And how can I start to, like to your point, you know, build community in, a, in mm-hmm. spaces where I can, where the shoe can fit completely. Right. Exactly. So, yep. you know, that makes me wonder, like now as an adult, how do you know and how do you protect the moments where you can be truly you? You know, like, like what... How do you like what are the moments where you're like, yeah, like this is me, the shoe is fitting completely? And how do you continue to to protect those moments, you know, and, and not go back to trying to please others and trying to fit in for the sake of others? Mm. Yeah. I I think the older I get, the more that's just kind of my everyday living is just I don't allow things as much to come into my life that make me feel like I'm not myself. Um, so I try, like we talked at the talked about in the beginning of the show, I try to spend my time on things that just light me up, that make me feel alive, where I can, you know, dive into a project and lose all sense of time. It brings me so much joy to create. So like doing this podcast, creating something with you, this brings me so much joy. So just being in those moments where you know, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. That's when I feel like myself 100%. And then finding those people, which can be super difficult, but finding like-minded people, you know, and I have a very small but close group of friends who I actually want to invest time in because the discussions that we have are, you know, rich with, you know, joy and laughter, but also learning and empathy. And it's not just surface. So first, making sure that I'm filling up most of my day where I can feel like myself. 
And there, of course, are things that make me maybe not feel as much myself where you kind of get that, oh, I don't want to do this. When you get that feeling of just being down, of course that happens. It happens with work all the time. But I try to balance that out with things that that bring me joy. And I know one of the things that brings you joy a lot and something that you and I have bonded over quite Mm -hmm. a bit is yoga, your journey with yoga. It does. Yeah. And you're a yoga teacher. I mean, I'm so Mm -hmm. proud of you. You've definitely taken your teacher training to actual teaching. Of <laughs> course, I've done nothing with it, but it's okay. Yet, yet. It's yet, yet, right. <laughs> I've got a bunch of other projects right now. But I am curious, you know, when, when you and I have talked about yoga, we've talked about it, not really, we haven't even focused on the physical aspects, right? Like people tend to think of yoga as like just the, the asanas, the, the, the poses, the way that you move your body. And that is an important part of yoga, but I think that when you and I have talked about it, it's been more about the the spiritual learnings, the the way that it has influenced us as human beings. So I'm curious to know what that part of your life, what that hobby, what what that part of um, of how you spend your time has taught you about who you are, or has taught you about humanity or about life. What have you learned? Yeah, it. I'd say it's changed over time. So I started doing yoga when I was a teenager because I was playing sports all the time and I was always in pain. I was in chronic pain when I played sports. And I loved I loved to exercise. I loved to play sports, but some of the rapid movements that you do in, you know, sprinting and in basketball, which is what I did, it really messed with my back. And I had all kinds of like, they thought I had scoliosis, which I didn't, but they just couldn't figure it out. I was like 15 years old and I could barely like bend over and then come back up without having back pain. So I started doing yoga along with other, you know, chiropractic care and other things to just start to feel better and be able to perform better in my, in my sports. So that's where I started to use it at age 15. And I loved it. I didn't really know why. I loved it, but I did love it. So I would do it online on my own because back then there weren't studios. I mean, I don't know if people can remember this, but there weren't just like an abundance of yoga studios (laughs) everywhere like there are today. I remember. You know, I used to do yoga from a book. A book. What is that? (laughs) Yes, I had a book too. I would look (laughs) at the book. I think it was Rodney Yee's like yoga book, book of yoga. I don't remember, but I would have it like bookmarked of this is the sequence that I want to do. And then Yoga Today was the it's the first yoga platform, online platform that came out. And so I joined it. This was back in like, I don't know, 2006 when they first came out. <laughs> so I've been following along with these teachers forever, but it was first and foremost a physical practice. But some days I would come off of it being like more angry than peaceful because I would get frustrated that I wasn't doing things perfectly or I couldn't do things the best or I couldn't, I wasn't that flexible. I would get so mad. And then as I started getting older, I was like, the the point of this is not to be mad, obviously. They're trying to make you calmer. So what's going on with you? So it started to like, as I was, you know, going through all of these changes in my life and I was trying to figure out who I was, this goes back to the last question, this yoga practice brought to the surface a lot of these like feelings that I was having as a teenager and allowed me to work through them physically. And then they would come out and be very apparent after the practice. So it wasn't always peaceful feelings. It was like, 
digging up other emotions that I had stored. So that was one of the main things that I was like, there's something here that's not just physical. As a teenager, I was realizing this, but I still didn't really know what that was. And then as I got a little bit older and I went to college in Austin, which an abundance of yoga studios everywhere, (laughs) all of a sudden. um, So I would go to all of these different yoga studios. So I would hear teachers teach about, you know, mindfulness and about listening to your body. And I had, I was blessed with so many, being able to practice with like world-renowned teachers in Austin. And I learned so much about not only the physical practice, but about how it connects you to your spirit as well. And that's where that journey really started to take hold of like, okay, I'm seeing now all of these different things in my past that the practice brought out. What is that all about? And it is a practice that if you allow it, will help you to more clearly understand yourself because you're taking the time to slow down. You're turning off any other noise except for the teacher, basically. And then you get to the point at the end and everybody should always take Shavasana. Don't leave in a class <laughs> without taking Shavasana. It really is the most important because you're finally at the place where you can be still. And if you're a person who's always on the move, like me, like you, we just I love to do things. It's very hard for me to sit still. That's one of the only moments where I can sit still. And so it allows you to have an open brain, essentially, ready to under, better understand yourself. And I personally think it comes from God. I get these like little downloads of like, you should think about X, Y, Z, or, you know, you're not accepting yourself enough and you're really hard on yourself. You need to maybe work on that. So I'll get all these like spiritual downloads in that time after practice. And then it gives me more to think about during my day. Sometimes it's anger, like it used to be when I was a teenager, not nearly as much. But it like digs stuff up that's that we bury because you can't really hide from it for some reason. But yeah, it's become – I mean, it's always been a pretty spiritual practice for me. Yeah. I think that's such great advice, the, mm-hmm. the take the time to, to, be, to be still. Yeah. I've been, I've been meditating every morning. I've been trying to. And Good for you. It's, it's tough. And it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. It's super but, tough. But the insights that come from it, and sometimes there's no insight. Sometimes it's just a little more calm in my day. But it's so easy to to sacrifice that for all the things mm-hmm. that are on your to do list. Oh you know, yeah, all the things that you should be. doing. It's the first thing yeah. that goes. Um, it's the first thing that, that goes. But if you is. do make time for it, it's it's worth it. Yeah, the things that we we often sacrifice are the things that we often need most. The most important. So, yeah. You know, my last question for you is. You know, the show is all about success, all about our definitions of success. And, and you've shared that a little bit of, uh, about this, your definition of success in, in some past episodes. But I'm curious to know, you know, right now, right here, today, what does success mean to you? Right here, right now, today. I'm trying to think through some of the new definitions that I've given myself. And I think more and more it's to make more time for things that bring me joy. And this is kind of a theme that I'm seeing throughout this episode, but that is definitely how I, at the end of the day, measure my success at the end of a day. And 
It's like, did I give myself the time on my lunch break to go for a walk and get some vitamin D? That brings me a lot of joy. I'll come back from 30 minutes of walking and just feel like a totally different person. Did I give myself that time and ignore, you know, the pings on my computer and like maybe not even take my phone with me just to get away from it? Or did I let that bog me down? Or did I make time on my lunch break maybe to go plant my garden, which I plan on doing today, you know, getting my sunshine out in the garden and planting some carrots? Am I making little pockets of time to bring myself joy amidst all of the things that are going on? So there's a lot of crazy things happening, you know, always in the world, but it feels so disastrous now. There's always something going on at work that can wait. (laughs) It can always wait. People will tell you that it can't, but it can always wait unless you're a heart surgeon or something. But the type of work I do, it can always wait. So are you allowed to put that – do you allow yourself to put that to the side and open yourself up to making time for things that bring you joy? So maybe that's reading on your lunch break or, you know, taking five minutes to just go sit in the sun. It really helps at the end of the day if you fill your day with these little moments where you can feel – more like yourself, and then get a little joy out of it. And then it helps you to return to the other things, the have-to-dos, and return with a better mindset. So that's really how I'm measuring these days my success is like, am I making time for those little things that change my mindset, bring me a little bit of joy, help me feel a little bit better about myself and things that are going on in the world? Yeah. Thank you for that. That has inspired me to add a few more things that bring me joy. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for for yeah, for letting me interview you and letting me ask you some fun and some deep questions. And I wish you much joy as you plant your carrots during your lunch break. Thank you. And this brought me a lot of joy too. I'm glad I made time for this. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I appreciate it, Carla. (laughs) Talk to you soon, Natalie. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Successful. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuccessfulThePod. See you next time.